hard to start this show. This is a, this is a hard show to start. You have unrealistic expectations about. Uh, I do that. Starting. Why? Uh, I'm, I'm messing with my audio setup, and now everything sounds weird. No, you sound fine. No, it's not. It's, hmm. It sounds weird. All right, now I, have, I actually have to. You want to restart? Me- mess with this again. You know, I don't think we have to. I think I can just keep going, and I'm just going to change this crap here. We're going to look for input device, and we'll get rid of that. That. Well, we will get rid of that. And we'll put this here. And go like this. We'll go like that. Mm-hmm. Clicking. And then we'll do this. Mm-hmm. And you know, why am I doing it in stereo? Do I need it in stereo? I don't think I need to. But now it's like a weekend. God damn it. How is that possible? Hmm. How is that possible? It's echoing. You're echoing to you? Let's see. Maybe if I just get rid of... Turn this off. Oh, did that do it? Can I still hear you say something? Hello, hello, hello. Oh, awesome. Okay, good. Oh, right now, so now I'm going to change it back. Now I'm going to go like this. I'm going to get rid of that. And I'm mm-hmm. going to go like over here. And oh, no, I have to select an app, uh, <laughs> Skype. Jim, keep all and, of this in. <laughs> and, and now I'm going to go like that. Mm-hmm. I think that looks good. I'm gonna, I'm what are you inside uh, Audio Hijack? What are you doing? Yeah, because... There was a glitch in my uh, recording in the last ATP, so Marco says, that's it. Your setup that has worked uh, flawlessly for five years now can no longer be used, so change everything. Were you using Call Recorder before? Yeah, I still am. Yeah, I got to do it. You know, I want to play with Paul's uh, soundboard. Oh, did I lose you? Hmm? What? Damn damn it. No, see? Hmm? I lost you. I lost you. I'm here. Can you hear me? No, but... Uh, so I'm gonna put my output device back on here, and, and then I'm gonna go like this, and I'm gonna hit record again. And now I'm probably all echoey and stuff, right? But if I turn that off, all right, now you say something. Okay, hi. No, you're gone again. I'm here. I know, but then you you want to quit Skype? You think it's a Skype problem? No, it's I'm gonna audio. stop it's messing with audio hijacking. You just, you just right. keep doing. It. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this Wikipedia article. You should, yeah, you should be mentally preparing yourself. I, it's hard. This is a very difficult show to start. Start start at the very beginning. I don't think if you're going to upload, if you're going to upload something to the internet, I don't think you should be allowed to use the letters HDTC. HDTC? Because HD and TC, uh, high definition and telecine, really? I mean, I mean, who does that? Well, no, that makes sense because you're, you, it's, but it's usually it's a cam. Definition. It's usually totally a cam. Right. But it's a high definition camera. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you could see the, you could see the Chinese subs at the bottom. <laughs> right. No, but, but if you, it makes sense to me. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. I'm going to pull down this last Jedi and look at it just to see what it looks like. Because I'll bet it's real good, real high def. Oh yeah, no, that was something very upsetting about the, uh, the what do you call it, the little Twitter thread that was going around where people were setting the Last Jedi scene to different kinds of music. Oh yeah, and it was clearly it was from an, a it's yeah. awful quality. I know, I know. Can you gotta wait? Can you gotta wait for that meme for it to come out on video? Right. Well, you gotta get there. I um, I think I've told you this story, but uh, in my 
early days of adventuring into certain internet circles, I uh, was like, ah, you haven't had a chance to see this uh, Incredibles movie. I should check it out. And it was totally a cam. It was, in, it, was, it was really, 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 really bad. And then I saw it. You know, I was like, wow, this looks really good. Yeah. We've come a long way, though. You have to admit, we've come a long way. We shouldn't talk about this. You didn't see this. that in a the theater? I don't think so. No, I was not a big Pixar person. I don't know when I first got into Pixar stuff. I was never even in any rush to see the Toy Story movies. The first... Maybe Finding Nemo might have been the first one I saw in a theater. But I'm not an animation person. I mean, I've come around to really appreciate it. But uh, no, no. This will come a very right, long I'm, way. All right. I can't. I got to stop looking at these, th- this recording thing. It's driving me nuts. I, realized I, I just realized my mute button is only the Skype mute. So now if I'm doing this backup recording outside of Skype, like all my nose blows and, and burps oh, are going to be in it. Oh, Jiminy. Do you want to go back to your old system? I am. I'm, this is additive. The old system never left. The old system is active. Um, do, 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 do you want to go listen to it and make sure it sounds good? No. Why don't you do no, that? That's it. I'm, I'm putting it, I'm cl- I, hit, I option clicked away from the window. We can always go back. Your windows are always in the same place because of the way things are set up. I option clicked away. That's it. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, oh, like this. Sister friend. You, no, I'm more concerned about you understanding the option click away. Option click away. Do you know Option click that? on the microphone thing? Input? I'm always surprised by what people who have been using Macs for only a few decades don't know about how to use them. I, uh, You know me. I, I never tire of repeating the same advice that somebody hasn't heard yet. And um, something I like to offer up uh, every couple months is option click on everything in your menu bar. Just for fun. Just go see if anything happens. Not in your menu bar, though. Do you get what I was saying about option clicking I away? Thought you, I thought thing? you're... No, I'm sorry. The, I thought you're talking, you do? The thing I do. I do that. What do I no, do? Is that a thing you do? Option. So I had. I oh, had to, keep, to keep something in, focal. Uh, no, I had I had audio hijack uh, window, and it was it was distracting me with all its animations and stuff, right? And I needed I needed to get that out of my mind I needed to get Whoa. back on my game because we had we got a podcast to do here, right? I think and I so just I thought, I think clicked, I just learned something I, new. So I option clicked away from it, and I, and I, it occurred to me to ask, do you know what that is? Okay, I I think I didn't because I just option clicked on a window that was not in the front, and it hid the app that I was in and went to that one. Is that what exactly. it Exactly. If you that's, want to I did not know that. See, that's what I'm saying. You only, you know, I'm always surprised to learn people don't know about window management. That's a, that's a, it's one of those things that if people watch me use a computer. You won't see, or maybe you won't notice that I'm doing, but I do it all the time. That's my way of saying, I'm done with you now. Done I'm going to you. do something else. And not only do I want that something else to come to the front, but I want you think window that I was previously looking at to disappear. This is good. That's a, that's a good, that's a good, good tip. You got any other it's ones? Like, any other hot tips? I don't, I don't. I don't think that's a hot tip. It's only something I've been doing for a few decades. But Every like, day, as I, somebody's born who doesn't know about clicking away right. with the options. Well, people don't know about three snaps in a triangle, but you knew about it. Yeah, it's this, this, right, sister friend. What? You say this as you do something visually when I can't see mm. you. <laughs> I guess I do. <laughs> you do the, that. I do that. The option clicking on uh, menu items. Yes. Yes. Yep, that's fun. But the audio one is actually real. I use that, you know, so often. I always, I always forget to, like, I recently put it back in my menu bar for the option click functionality, essentially. And mm-hmm. I still, like, I, by the time I remember to, to use it, uh, the system preferences is already open to the, to the sound preference pane. Mm. Do you use a app launcher? Uh, Quicksilver, yeah. You still use Quicksilver? I still do. 
how um I went back and forth. Well, I mean, obviously, not obviously, nobody cares. I was a very big fan of Quicksilver in the early days. And then it got kind of slow and logy. And maybe because I had an old computer, but is it pretty snappy? I'm guessing it's pretty snappy on your computer. It's still snappy. There was some version like a year or so ago where they did a weird thing where they like mess with the icon caching. So occasionally it will show me generic icons briefly, which I find very upsetting. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, for the most part, it's just as snappy as it ever was. Boy, that was a hell of a thing. Yeah. What an amazing app. I used to write about that a lot on my uh, website or blog. Um, I know you had all sorts of uh, you know, all sorts of shortcuts for your crazily named uh, text files. Yeah, but I mean that ability to like append to a file. Oh, it was so great. I still use it. For, you know, the only thing I use it for besides app launching, large text. I think I've said this on other podcasts. Large text. Take take what I've selected and make it large text on screen. I think you just like, I don't, it's kind of like Emacs where I realized uh, uh, many years ago, I realized once when trying to teach someone how to use Emacs that I have no idea what the keys are in Emacs. Right, right, right. But my fingers just do them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And when I try to think about it to say, so how do you split the buffer and then go into the other buffer and switch from one to the other? Like, right, right, right. And I'm like, what are those key structures? So, okay, I'm like, all right, oh, this is easy. I, I do it all the time. Here, look, I'm doing it right now. Let me just look at my fingers and see what they're doing. And they wouldn't work anymore. It doesn't work, but then all, I don't know if you're like this, but as soon as I I think about it, it's like, you know, like they say, don't think about your tongue or like suddenly you're obsessed yeah. with thinking about your tongue. I had one the other day where um, there's a really neat thing in task paper. I mean, task paper on the face of it, it's just, it is very simple, but it's actually kind of powerfully simple. There's a uh, command shift. Yeah. <laughs> command shift P basically pulls up a searchable menu of all the commands. I guess kind of like you could do with command shift question mark probably but it's a really great way to say like go import these from reminders and stuff like that and for some it was broken on one of my i guess on my uh, adorable where i probably remapped it to something else in system preferences but i had this like ah, ah, ah where I, st- I had to stop and it was like having to relearn colors i looked down and i touched every combination of keys to try and do it and i couldn't make it work and i briefly wondered if i'd ever done it before in my life because i couldn't recreate it because yeah, it's, it's all on my just- fingers you can just close your eyes and just stop thinking about it, and then your fingers just do it. Exactly, but it's also the um, tell me what the name of this is. The thing I always talk about the the text editing. I guess it's not vi like, but the you know command shift option to move around in text, right? Yeah, I don't think. What do you, what do you call that? What do you Mac Mac text editing keyboard shortcuts? But is, is it someone inspired by Emacs? No, no, it's, it's totally a Mac thing. Emacs is Control A, Control E, all that. You do business. the chords. Uh, the yeah. Mac stuff is is arrow keys with modifiers in various combinations. But this is one where every time I try to, I sound like such an idiot because I try to explain that. Like at a time when I started doing more writing in my life, I don't know quite where, but I discovered this, and I will for show notes. I will find the amazing pages. One page on Apple's website that has just tons of key it's, commands. It, it's in the help text in, in the OS, too. If you go to the help right. menu, that you find your way. I don't know how to find your way. But but I, somewhere there's this, like, show me all the keyboard Yeah, shortcuts. but like twice a year, what also? I mean, the, the trick to do anywhere is, you know, command shift. What is it? It doesn't matter. But um, I, um, but I'll post that like twice a year, and I'll, I'll just say like with, with great, great confidence, hey, you know what? Go look at this. No matter how long you've been using a Mac, I can almost promise you there's a key command on here that you didn't know about. And so I try and explain to people, I'm like, okay, like, you know, the arrow keys, this is why my adorable is such a disaster is because my right hand, as I sit here right now, my right hand rests on my index finger is on left arrow. My middle finger is on up arrow. My ring finger is on right arrow, right? Like that's just where my hands fall on a keyboard. And then I have my hands are kind of spread out to the left. My pinky's just above tab. My 
thumb hovers over command, you know this feeling where it's like I can get to anywhere, probably not as fast as with VI. Like I ne- that never took with me. But but like okay, so like what? I don't know how to do this. Um, option arrow left and right takes you to the beginning or the end of a word. So like option shift left and right selects. What's the official one for option up and down? It's like to the next text line or next paragraph. Is that it? And then shift usually means to select. But man, if you start doing that, it's like you you realize like it's like it's like the difference between like hunt and peck and touch typing. Like once you learn how to do that, it's. It, but but when I try to explain to somebody, you realize now how you hear, you're hearing how dumb I sound because I don't know what it is that I'm doing. My fingers just learned how to do it, and I, I couldn't describe it to anybody. It's so powerful. Like shift, what is it? Uh, command arrow down. At least I, I'm in NV Alt right now. Like command arrow down takes you to the bottom of the buffer. Command arrow up takes you to the top. So cool. We should do a um, we could do a stretch goal. I think it's called. We'll uh, we, we could do an all hot tips and tricks episode. Yeah, one one more thing that again that these are things that have mostly worked for many many years. But I sometimes at work I realize people don't know uh, because they're like new Mac users or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's a million things about selecting text. The one I want to talk about now is when you're in a single line text field mm-hmm. and you have the insertion point and you want to select either the beginning or the end of the entire field. Mm-hmm. Don't don't just don't drag to the end like a Neanderthal and just wait for it to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. That, that's command, not the way to do command, it. Command uh, arrow. No, just with the mouse. You're about to select stuff. Find the little part you want, and if you bring the uh, the cursor above or below the text field. And then to the left of the right or the oh, right of right. where you started selecting, you yes. go, it goes to the beginning or the end. It's like the ultimate, like, like why like you would use a mouse. <laughs> it's yeah. everything. You you get, it's would, like a three yeah. pixel move instead of like, especially if it's like a, the address bar of a web browser and it's really long and you want to get to the end of the thing because you started grabbing at the end of the dot com and you just want the slash part. Like I do it without thinking. And I, I realized when I saw someone's dragging the thing, like, what are you doing? It's like, they don't know. Just put the, in, you know, it's a single operation. Click. Yeah. Hold down by the slash and then move your, your cursor down and to the right by like one pixel. That's it. Boom. Select it to the end of the line. And yes, there's keyboard shortcuts for that too. But then you'd have to put the insertion point with the mouse or use command L to get your insertion point there and use option right arrow to jump three segments of the thing to get to the end of the dot com. There's a million ways to do it, but yeah. I'm just saying. That's my do, one. You um, control T? One little trip. Control T. Oh, for transpose? You like switch the letters around? Yeah, that's a shell thing. Yeah, yeah but I mean like how many people know that? I mean, anyone who uses a Unix shell should know. I do it all the time with Unix shell. And, <laughs> of course. Well, anyone who yeah. uses a Unix shell would know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that, that's, you know, that's where I formed that habit because, I mean, I don't think it was reliable until the, the Mac OS X, until the next acquisition. So I was on Unix before that happened, and I don't think that worked on the Mac until the Nexties came over. I, am, I imagine. I mean, here's one that's really, really obvious, and I apologize that I'm insulting everybody's intelligence. But when you one of the noises you will hear the most when I'm talking to John Syracuse and diddling around in the Google Doc one one click, one mouse click to select inside wherever you are. Click twice, selects a word. Click three times, selects the whole line. I'll bet you there's at least one. Per- Please e- Twitter us if if you did not know that a triple click selects the whole line. Let us know because I bet there's no, a lot of people no, that don't, don't know. Don't that. ask people to let us know. Come on, no, don't there's a million us. of these. I'm trying. What I was trying to do with this segment is say we're not going to name all of them. You already hmm. gave them the, 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 the. We'll put them in the link. The, yeah. the big keyboard right. shortcut page. You're just all supposed right. to na- have the one. And this is the one that was at the top of my mind. You don't want to yeah. receive your, your kudos and thank yous? I, no, I don't. No. I don't want them. Hmm. I wonder if there's any others I know. 
Let's just look at Quicksilver. I, I feel again. like I had so many topics, and I look in this, this list here. I'm like, what are all those things that I was thinking about? Yeah, I did add, I did add retirement at fifty because you talked about it. <laughs> yes. I did enjoy, I did enjoy the story on the most recent Roderick on the Line, uh, story of meeting Amy Mann, which I, I almost extracted an audio clip from and sent to you in anger. I was busy, <laughs> so just pretend I did that. And like, all, it's all just because of Twitter. You just got you got to follow each other on Twitter, and pretty soon you'll be collaborating. His, his yeah, his his retelling of that. Of, four months later, of, four months later, he's going to New York. No, it was more like the first. In, I, I can't. I'll just pretend I sent you the audio, and then feel how you would have felt if I sent you the audio. First, first encounter was they met somewhere, and she said you covered my song wrong, right? Right, but he his retelling, John's retelling of that, yeah, his compressed retelling of it was was something else. You think he yada yada it a little bit? A little bit. Yeah. He had some lols in there. <laughs> Poor Jeremy. That was a good episode. Yeah, retirement. I don't know if I want to talk about retirement. But yeah, yeah, no, we're not. I just, I just put it on the list, but I'm, I'm rattling off a list of things that I, I felt like I had so much like in the hopper, but now I look at the list and I guess I just didn't write all of them down. I think, I think it would be beneficial. I don't think you like this as much as I like this, but sometimes I think to, just to remind myself and to stimulate you – I like to sometimes say what it is we're talking about. Like I've written the one of us, you, me, a long time ago, somebody wrote the word politeness, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound, me. okay, which doesn't sound very interesting. I think that's actually a very, very interesting and feckin' topic to talk about. And the thing, I think one reason we don't talk about it is we just see the word politeness and we don't think about like. No, I know what it's about. I just don't think this is the week for it. I okay. know it's there. All right. Well, yeah. thank you. Should we clean some of these out or just leave them all on the list? We're no, get I'm the that. I deleted. I deleted Scoot Scoot. Yeah, speaking of Scoot Scoot, a little Scoot Scoot follow up. Uh, <laughs> even scoot. though, even though you recorded these things in a different order, I think right, like you recorded the Dubai Friday before we talked about uh, your segue. No, we. No? Oh God, here we go. Um, the challenge had been discussed preliminarily. In and we had basically talked offline about saying like, "Hey, is this is this too crazy to do?" And I had basically said, "Look, you guys, take the money out of our shared pot to do this. I don't want you to have to pay for this." You know, and, and then and they all got nicer segues than you. They had nicer segues than me. Yeah, yeah, it's sickening. And Alex mm-hmm. just falls off it all day. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about her. Hers okay. has speakers. It's, it's got speakers, and she could put her camera on there and. and Recorder yeah, crashing. I think, I think it has a sous vide attachment. I don't know what <laughs> model they got, but <laughs> should, I, should I replace it? Should I get a better one? You think? I should probably get uh, a better one. I feel like you break this one eventually, and then yeah, you'd be like, well, true. it's like one of those things. Like once it breaks, it has to be immediately replaced because it's become a part of your life. So don't worry, you'll get a new one eventually. Yeah, well, I'm not going to retire at fifty. It's a little late for that. Yeah. Um, politeness. But no, but anyway, no. So that that episode where you talked about it um and I guess uh, what what do we have to follow up on? I mean, it, it, everyone should go listen to that episode due by Friday to hear that you're still loving it and you have infected your co-host of that other program with with your love of uh this fun little thing you they can ended up like the cha- the challenge was to uh borrow or obtain a self-balancing scooter and be prepared to discuss it, see if you like it, and I have to tell you I was well, second maybe to how much they ended up liking the Patriot or liking Patriot, um, I was really surprised at how much Max in particular. I had a feeling Alex would like it because it makes you like a robot a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, she's she's always looking for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, <laughs> Max, you know, he doesn't get to ride his cool skateboard and look cool on a skateboard. <laughs> uh, I don't think that was – that was. Uh, I saw where they were coming from that. I don't know why you're pushing back so hard on that. Your, your anti-skateboarding agenda is inappropriate. I'm not. Program. I'm not totally anti. I have some common cause with skateboards now because we both, you know, 
We're both sidewalk dwellers. <laughs> that's, that's where you dwell. We're wheeled juds. <laughs> <laughs> No, it is embarrassing, and now I do I do feel very self conscious about it now. But uh, yeah, it is it is, uh, it is totally fine. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, and Patriot, I, I, I'm glad we talked about it here. I mean, I'm glad we talked about it on there because that got a certain segment of people interested, and uh, Mister showing us a little bit here. But so you've heard the follow up, where like you know, same reaction from Dubai Friday and here is just that it's so many. It's been really gratifying to have so many people go, oh my gosh, how did I not know this show existed? Yeah, and you would expect to hear from one or two people who tried it and, and thought it was terrible, but so far those people have not shared their opinion with us. So it's been, you know, uh, all positive feedback. People try yeah. the show, like the show, binge watch the show. And I showed it. it to my nieces in town uh, for Sketchfest, and we showed it to her last night, and like, she loved it. It was, you know, we kind of held her captive. We're like, we started to watch Counterpart, which is also, I think, very good. Um, but then we were like, oh, you haven't seen episode one. You won't see Patriot. And we're like, we're going to show you Patriot. Is that okay? <laughs> this, well, will, this will be no, my sixth. better than forcing programs you like on other people who are your unwilling uh, guests. Well, yeah. We also Captive made her. audience. We, uh, Ellie made her watch a lot of YouTube videos she likes because she's a comedian. Mm. So we showed her lots of uh, comedy things. But she likes Key and Peele. She introduced my daughter to Portlandia, which I wasn't entirely aware of, but I think I'm okay with. <laughs> <laughs> I've been holding off on Portlandia. But uh, it's that's a very good program. I love my niece. She's one of my favorite family members. She's cool. She uh, she works for Liz Winstead with the Lady Parts Justice thing. Do you know about that? I don't know who Liz Winstead. Liz Winstead, is. who created the Daily Show back in the pre. She's like one of you know back when what's his name when the Mookie Craig Kilborn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now go, go uh, look up Lady Parts Justice. They do really good stuff. And go look at the event where. So you'll see at the top of the page, Lady Parts. I think it's Lady Parts Justice. Do you see the event on Thursday? Guess who she's, she's going to be hanging out with Thursday, Thursday. Uh, February first. The telethon. Uh, you see a lot of names. Your connection's a little bad. Somebody's connection is bad. I see a lot of names here. What am I looking for? Special Craft Corner and auction with. Ah, oh, very nice, very nice. Mark Hamill. This is an all-star it's cast. A, Rachel Bloom, Sarah Silverman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, my niece who works for them will be there uh, dressed as a Volva. So I think that'll be fun. Hmm. She had to try out her Volva costume today. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You'll learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com. Hey, and when you go... Remember to use the offer code DIFFS at checkout, and that'll get you 10% off your first purchase. My advice to you today is to make your next move with Squarespace, because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next big idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. You know, maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, whatever it is you want to do. You can even make a podcast with it. You can do that. Whatever you want to do, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about and no upgrades are ever needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've been using Squarespace for years. I'll tell you, 
They didn't tell me to say this, but one of my favorite things about Squarespace is how little I need to use it. Once you have things set up, it's so easy to go in and make little changes to add new pages. You can add in maps, Amazon links, anything you want to add. It's so easy to do. Heck, I run a whole podcast off of Squarespace, The Roderick on the Line Show. It's all done on Squarespace, and we love it. We started using them, and we never look back. It's been, I don't know, 16, 17 years. I'm not even sure at this point, but we love them. Crazy part is that Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month, but you can go right now and start a free trial with no credit card required. You just go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, please use the very special offer code DIFFS, that's D-I-F-F-S, and that will get you 10% off your first purchase. And yeah, let's be honest, it will show your support for Reconcilable Differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all the great shows. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Speaking of live shows, did you hear, is this, I don't know, I might be behind, the most recent uh, live Flophouse episode? I think so, yeah. It was, where were they? Uh, Philadelphia. And the movie was? Sly Stallone showed up. What was the movie? I know this. Uh, Don't tell me. It's, uh, I know this. Um, Oh, crap. The Wall, the the big wall thing. Matt Damon (laughs) in in a Chinese movie. What white savior white savior crazy sounding movie yeah 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 anyway uh i i think they ended up actually kind of liking the movie mm-hmm. but, but anyway Stewart it was, especially it was, a, was pretty was pretty like he thought it was a good bad movie yeah i thought it was no so i think they thought it was a movie they kind of like um, oh, i don't remember like, they're, they're so they are very top four with the uh with the with the rating system because yes. it, it's not confusing it's straightforward but very often they very very often they refuse to actually pick one of them. <laughs> it gets harder it gets harder in shocktober i don't think i know what any i don't know what spookily good bad means. yeah that's where it makes no sense whatsoever so i don't i don't fault them for that but during the time when it does make sense they just refuse to pick one of the things which is fine that's, mm-hmm. that's what they do anyway uh, I thought that was a really good live episode of the Flophouse. I don't know if I want to tell people to start with it, but if you are a Flophouse fan and looking and you don't listen to the live stuff because the audio is usually bad or you don't want to hear audience from, questions from the audience, the the Great Wall episode, uh, a live episode of the Flophouse, I thought was really good. It was really good. And I think it's um, it's a good recommendation. Um, again, maybe not the best first one, but as a live show goes, it was a very Flophousey Flophouse episode. Yeah, it's like when you're when you're into a band, well, mm-hmm. transitioning to our topic, when you're into a band and you've heard all their albums and you're wondering, like, is there a live, I'm not really into live music, but there, is there a good live album from this band? It's like, here, start with this. If you already like the band and you like their music and you listen to the albums and the singles and you're looking for a live thing, this is the one to get this bootleg, this show, this whatever. Yeah, no, it's a good one. <laughs> Last night, before we turned to forcing my niece to watch um, TV shows, I was, I was watching a live Genesis concert from 1973, which is a hell of a thing. Talk about some lyrics. Jeez. I don't know the timelines. Is that Peter Gabriel or Phil Oh, Collins? yeah, 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 yeah. He, um, he, they started uh, 6970. They had, depending on how you count it, three to five, like extremely good, if you like prog rock, extremely good albums. And then he left, uh, I think he left in like 75 or 76 and went and started doing his own thing. But, but they had realized pretty early on, I mean, basically the, the band members just kind of sit on stools and play prog rock. And he has these really elaborate costumes and costume changes and these characters. And he wanted to bring more theatricality and mime to it, not just be playing flute and tambourine. He wants more to do and uh, really change the show. And I think really kind of it's kind of what made their music's great, but I mean, that's kind of what made them in some ways was their live show. And they, their tours were brutal. They just toured and toured and toured. 
So good. And then eventually his wife uh, was going to have a baby and uh, it was a problematic pregnancy and he fell out. <laughs> it was like slightly racist. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Casual racism. <laughs> problematic pregnancy. Yeah, racist uncle baby. <laughs> <laughs> Guy, guy, guy he, came he into the poisoned, nursery today. He was, he you know, po- poison that word black. Right <laughs> <laughs> Racist Uncle Baby. Oh, I want to meet that character. Um, did you? Um, My character is problematic. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time. It's a different time. He's only four months old. What does he know mm-hmm. from racism? What do I know? I'm just a baby. What do I know? I'm a baby. <laughs> I'm just born. I'm a baby. Is that we, I know we've talked about that before, and some people have, have thanked us for uh, showing someone abbreviated it. And it I took had me no so long idea what they it. meant. I had I like, almost, I almost was that F-T-B-Y-A-M. guy. I was like, F-T-B-Y-A-M. right? And I had to like, I had to puzzle it over. I had to, pu- I didn't Google it, but I had to puzzle it. And I eventually figured it out free to be you and me, free to be so, you and me. And you know, we talked about this a lot on the past show, but I just want to bring it one more time. Is is free to be you and me problematic? Like um, if we if we listen to it now, is there some part that's like secretly like deeply sexist and we just didn't notice because we I, were I babies? I don't think so. I am I am far from a scholar of women's rights and feminism, but I think I think if you had to say it's Ms. Magazine, I believe was the like producer or sponsor of it. I think it's from a period when a lot of the the stress and effort was for not what not what I would consider feminism in in the usual kind of political sense of like well, there's a better system with a different way of thinking, but more of it, I would say it's more about equality, right? It was or, feminism or, for men. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, I, I took a little bit of gender studies stuff in college, and that's when I started to at least kind of slightly understand that feminism means more than equal rights and pay, that it means it's philosophically different way of, of thinking about stuff. See, and, I, don't, I don't think of free to be, you know, me as, as uh, a particularly uh, focus on feminism. I think of it as just kind of like what's sort what I'm of... Hip, hippy dippy liberal like everything but what I'm, what I'm getting at is like our is our collective memory of this rose-colored glasses like have you listened to it recently i listened to it probably a year or two ago and i i think i missed my window for getting my kid into it i had on eight track and listened to it every day i and i don't know how that the politics of that show made it and that eight track made it into our house intact given my family <laughs> but uh but i i just loved it uh you know um some kinds yeah, my, of help and the kind of help that helping's all about. Good lyrics, regular, very good lyrics. Agatha pie, Agatha Fry, she made a pie. Christopher John helped bake it. <laughs> my recollection of that, which I'm kind of, I actually kind of don't want to like ruin by re-listening to it now exhaustively to find out. But my recollection is that this is a thing from my past that shows that sort of the the excuses that like oh well it was a different time and everyone was racist and sexist to an even more degree than they are a larger degree than they are now and we just accept that as the case that that it's not as if no one in the world had figured out how not to be a jerk to everybody like that oh, this is an album yeah. this is an album that was like made in the 70s where more or less they had figured out uh hey don't uh destroy uh billy because he likes playing with dolls because that's right. wrong and William, the right William thing to do is yeah. is to not do that and it actually is all right to cry it gets all the sad out of you and they like they had, they had figured it out like it's not like this was technology that wasn't available in 10 bc it was it's just that there's a lot of jerks and the jerks usually are in control yeah. of everything but, but these people mm-hmm. made an album more or less saying 
this is the right thing to do. Be nice to people, and here and the wrong thing to do is to make fun of Billy because he has a doll, right? Yeah. And and on every point they decided to address, they more or less had figured out the right thing to do. And if I was to listen to it now, I would like to believe that I would say, yeah, yeah, they did. Like they didn't get everything right except for the part where they said, you know, uh, you know, shun your your uh, non-Catholic friends or something like that's hidden hidden in the album. Right, 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 right. The, it wasn't. It was not tr- not intersectional in a sense we would think of it today. I, I I could go back and give it a listen, but I think I think you're I think you're on target, and I think the other part of it that's super sensible as we've I think we've talked about repeatedly on here. Just I don't know. I feel like the difference in what I see in my kid versus what I saw in being a kid is that it, that is a message that a very I mean a very hopeful like Obi Wan, you're my last hope kind of message. That oh my god, maybe if we can get kids like kids who who have more of a sense of like fair play and justice in certain ways, there's more of an inroad here to show them that like you know. I mean, it's a little bit, I mean, in some ways it's a, I feel like it's a little bit like that whole frustrating phenomenon of people who are like, I, I hate gay marriage. I dislike the idea of gay people, but I, I like my friend Sid where everybody has a gay friend for years. That was always a thing. Or I, everybody has a black friend and like that person is treated exceptionally because you've had contact with them. Well, you know what? Have more contact with people like that and you'll realize they're all human beings. That is a much less difficult sell to a kid unless the parents are there to muck it up. But I think that's why it was an effective, uh, I mean, it was entertaining and well done. And even I recognize some of the voices on there, obviously, but no, I think it was, I think it was, it was probably pretty effective. I think it probably had an impact on a lot of people. Yeah, I think probably the worst you could say about it, if I'm uh, you know, looking at my imagined thing, is that it probably omitted addressing whole sections of things that were still too taboo to discuss. But for the f- topics that it did choose to address, that it was that it came down on the correct side. Of them. Well, that's that's what feels in some ways. That's what feels different about the the moment right now. I'm sitting here looking at the webpage for Overton Window, and I'm just I'm thinking <laughs> about how, um, I mean, the thing that a lot of us are being forced to confront at length and with great difficulty sometimes is the difference between, hey, I'm mostly a pretty good guy versus I have benefited from a system that is necessarily hostile to a lot of people, at least. And and I think the liberals like me for a long time slid by on this idea that whatever this system is, I can't change the system, but I feel like I'm a pretty good guy. And I think the thing that's that's difficult for me and difficult for a lot of people, and that certainly was not addressed, is that system, the systemic level, the hegemonic effect of patriarchy. Patriarchy is such a loaded word, but I don't know a better word for it. Is that you? It's difficult to talk about. Like, well, there's a reason we had to put this goddamn album out and put this TV show out, and that reason is that there are voices that are systematically put down because it is at odds with what is considered conventional wisdom and is actually considered revolutionary and not in a good way. You know, it's like that, yeah. that dingling member of Congress or guy who's running for Congress talking about how he wants his daughter to be a good wife and have a home cooked meal. And like, on the one hand it's galling because it flies in the face of what most of us think is appropriate thought and behavior or reasonable human grown up thought and behavior. But it's also it, what, what hurts extra hard is it flies in the face of a moment where people are increasingly saying, well, let's be a little, let's be a little bit more careful because these do, these words do mean things. And let's, let's try to start noticing the structural things that we unintentionally shore up every time we just shuck it away and say, well, Overton Wind is not really there yet. Yeah. And when I, I, I mentioned feminism for, for boys or feminism for men before, which is 
mostly a joke, but like the my memory as a little boy of listening to Free to Be You and Me, like I'm sure there was tons of stuff in there. Again, I haven't listened in years, so who knows, right? But I'm sure there was tons of things in there, but the things that I remember most, things that were most relevant to me as a little boy who, you know, the entire world already catered to me in every possible way were the parts that did recognize the ways in which those systems were actually harmful to me. The whole song, right. the, 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 the two, two ones I already mentioned because they were at the top of my mind. Uh, Billy wants a doll and it's all right to cry because even as a little boy, you were told that you shouldn't like to play with dolls, even though my parents gave me dolls and uh, you're not supposed to cry. And that's sort of, you know, the toxic masculinity or whatever, like the, those, those two aspects of the system are harmful. Right. It constrains, it constrains your, your worlds and your horizons, not as much as with women, but like it, right. it's, but it also just hurts. It hurts people. It hurts families. It hurts everybody. And that, that's where you knock the scales from my eyes was the whole like, Hey, be careful with the whole, remember she's somebody's daughter thing. Ever since you said that to me two, three years ago, I really think about that a lot. And because you see it every time something happens, everybody goes, well, you know, I've got a daughter and you're like, well, yeah, but you've also got a human being. Like, mm-hmm. and it came up, I really felt this, I kept off Twitter about this, but like, it really galled me during a lot of the immigration talk where even progressives were saying, Hey, these people contribute to society yeah, and know, they do this and you do that. And you're like, wait a minute, you're playing straight into their hand mm-hmm. by doing that because you're putting some kind of quantifiable dollar value. And you're also kind of bolstering up this whole, like, you know, hundred year old idea of what America is. That's kind of BS. Oh, these guys pick themselves up by their bootstraps, and like they they they, they fit in, in my Overton window just fine now, and the hegemony is intact. So let's be nice to people from Latin American places, and it's like no, just be nice to everybody because they're people. Like you, yeah, you, they we call, have to they stop call quantifying based kindness. That's what they call. It. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Although yeah, merit based kindness, if you were to rephrase that, you end up with uh, many forms of religion. But that's not that's not the topic for today. Stay away no. from that. We get that. That makes the shows we have to throw away. Right, Roderick? Yeah, you get like you get like an hour and 20 minutes in. Oh, and also, I think one other thing, speaking oh of uh, oh going around circles, we will, we will swirl in on our topic eventually, but one other thing that has been niggling at my mind or whatever it was, uh, I think I'm pronouncing the co-host of your other program's last name wrong, because I heard him say his own last name a couple times. I'm like, wait a second, that's not how I say it, and I no. don't think that's even how you say it. R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K, how do you say that? Oh, God, come on. I don't, Me? Uh, he, uh, yeah, I, say, I, say, I mean, a lot of people say Roderick. Right, and that's what I heard him say. He said his own name like that. That's like Griffin McElroy says it. I thought it was a joke. I say Roderick. McElroy's last name is a disaster. So it's not even going to no, talk no, about No, no, McElroy says our thanks to John Roderick and the long winners. Right, no, but I heard John say his own last name. He had occasion to say his own last name. And he said Roderick. I'm like, wait well, a second. Morgan, what, Morgan rides for free. Morgan rides free? Is that it? It might have been that episode. Roder, I say Roderick. So do I, but I think he says Roderick. I'll ask him. I'm, I'm really upset by it now. Oh, no. I'm sorry. What about Temkin? There's no P in Temkin. I don't care about his last name. No, me either. Oh, we can explore that. Hmm. We'll always have Cox. <laughs> no ambiguity there. Am I right? <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Mac Weldon. You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting MacWeldon.com. And when you go, hey, tip, you can get 20% off your order by using the very special offer code DIFFS. 
Mack Weldon make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. This is true. I am a huge fan of Mack Weldon. I've spent an unconscionable amount of money on their stuff, my own personal American money. And listen, let me tell you, frankly, Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. They are so confident of this that they have a no-questions-asked return policy. Mack Weldon are so sure that you're going to be super comfortable in whatever you buy that if for any reason you don't like your stuff, you send it back to them and they'll refund you, no questions asked. That's crazy. By pairing premium fabrics, meticulous attention to detail, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon delivers a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. They make undershirts that stay tucked. This is true. I'm wearing one of them right now. And it is, it is tucked. Socks that stay up. Glorious. Waistbands that don't roll. You do not want a waistband that rolls. Everything they make is made with premium cotton, blended with natural fibers, and their website is built to get you in and out as quickly as possible. They don't waste your time. It is actually a really great site. I like it a lot. Like I say, I'm a huge fan of their stuff. Um, You know, a lot of people like their underpants. I'm a big fan of their shirts. I have probably over a dozen of their long sleeve Pima cotton shirt. I do love their white undershirt. It does stay tucked in and it's very classy. It's like aircraft engineering. It's so well-made beautiful. And of course, Mack Weldon also have their line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. That means they eliminate odor, which is a good thing to eliminate when it comes to clothes. That is some cool science stuff. Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. They're good for working out, going to work, traveling, or just for everyday life, which I really very much consider my life to be is extremely everyday. So please go right now. Listeners of this show, you go to MacWeldon.com, you're going to get 10% off your order with the special offer code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S, MacWeldon.com. Our thanks to MacWeldon for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. We're ready. We're ready Did you to dive listen in to now. Top 4, the latest Top 4? Yes, that's why this is in. Okay, I didn't know why. I didn't know if that's what inspired it. John, what uh, what did you want to talk about? <laughs> don't don't even get that out of here. I need to like I need like the the sort of air horn when someone tries to say something. <laughs> Just, can we have an air horn effect every time you try to do that? <laughs> you need you know what you need like a little shocker. See, <laughs> well, we don't need a shocker. I think the air horn will be super. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, <clears throat> Challenge. Um, so what? what, what did you... Somehow I find that less offensive. It's just a word. Your tweet uh, of a challenge. Somebody complete a challenge. Probably the most popular tweet about our show ever. I think I might have a peanut butter tomorrow. I got a feeling I'm not going to be able to make the challenge. I, didn't, I, I tweeted that before I knew about the spreadsheet. The the real or imagined oh the real or imagined uh, chart of who's done the most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did not know that that was a thing or, or a running gag. So. Uh, I think, but I'm I glad think that Max and I are probably a pretty close tie on number of people who didn't even honor the spirit of the challenge. Even before I know whether this is a real spreadsheet or not, I preemptively uh, file a protest uh, based on who is responsible for the record keeping. Oh, hmm. Because we can't know ourselves. Yes, exactly. It has to be, you need like uh, oh, you Price, need an ombudsman, ombudsperson, yeah, right? You need, you need someone outside the, outside the circle. Okay, I mean, like, uh, what do they call it? A custodian, right? It's like it's like when your when your city goes tits up and they bring in somebody to run the city for you because you don't know what you're doing, right? We need somebody like that, except for the statistics on whether what, we comply. What is, it, what is it called with kings, where the guys hanging out and taking Jester? the place for the king? No, no, like the king is not there. The king isn't there, and someone else is there to like sit in the seat for him. A seat not warmer? custodian. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. We should talk about royalty sometime. Because you got the crown. Oh, you got yeah, the I'm watching queen. the crown. Let me, let me, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. I just meant in the sense that the crown is different from the queen. 
Are you watching The Crown? <clears throat> no, God. All right. I, I have I have watched that. Down. It's got Doctor Who on it. And yeah, uh, no, it's I was talking about uh, I was talking about that concept of The Crown. The concept yes, there's the yes. yeah. Yeah. That's a good show. It's not maybe this is why I need a chat room. It's not custodian anyway. If someone a thousand people Ch- tweeted Chamberlain? No, a thousand people tweeted at us uh, after the show is published. That's how the system will work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, circling back, top four, a show where Mark Armand and Tiff Armand ostensibly Ugh. pick f- their top four <laughs> things but fail to do so. <laughs> they never do it right. Right. Had had a recent episode where they, I don't remember what their, what their topic was supposed to be, but they, they, they talked about It was uh, about episode song. number 36, Misheard Eddie Vedder lyrics. It's in show notes. Right. And it was like, what are your top form? They just wanted to talk about how Eddie Vedder yeah. is hard they to understand. They ended up all songs. making it about one song, right? I mean, it was all about the... Yeah, eventually, which is yeah. fine. But but it was about That was a lyrics. funny episode. Marco does a really good job with the little music drop-ins. I think yeah, he I does, think he does it all in real time, too, because he's got all the fancy, like, he's got like the million different... Oh, you think his, so? His audio hijack setting isn't all screwed up like mine. Yeah, no, I think he's he's playing in real time so that they can both hear them. Okay, and that they're makes like sense. both on microphones on separate computers, but I don't know, it's some big and magic. He edits it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It was really it was really, really funny. Because I mean, you know, Eddie Vedder has a very distinctive singing style. And uh and his lyrics are sometimes difficult to discern. And and I think one of the reasons I'm interested in talking talking about this topic, I, I've done a little bit of prep and research for this but you're somebody who first your first big internet project was a lyric site for the band u2 um my first internet project period my first website yeah so that i have i have a vested interest in the topic in hand but the but you also have a strongly held opinion that every lyric site is wrong except probably for yours yes so you you feel very this is one of your things like britishisms you 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 got to be in your bonnet about lyric sites and lyrics in general like so here uh, uh, on top four, like so, they did the show, and I, I'm always surprised by top four because I see the topics, and I, I feel like I know what the show is going to be like about that particular topic. But sometimes I'm very wrong, and so in this show, I'm like, okay, well, they're going to do, you know, miss her lyrics. They do lots of things about music. I have not been surprised by any of those shows. Um, you know, they have different musical tastes than I do, but whatever. Uh, and this one, they're like they're going to talk about lyrics. Oh, Eddie Vedder, yeah, you know, he is pretty mumbly, so this will be fun, right? What I was surprised by in listening to it was not like you know it was a fun show about uh funny misheard lyrics but like how like how far away they both were from understanding almost any of the lyrics to songs they had heard many many times wildly popular songs like i expected them to be like okay look these are the hard lyrics to understand but like the chorus of very popular songs they had no idea and they've been listening to the song for like at this point like decades or however long no idea about it's, it's like not knowing what the chorus of Hey Jude is saying, like not knowing it's Hey Jude, like that's at least that's an exaggeration. But like my baseline for how for like the lyrics that are easy to understand and the lyrics that are hard to understand, at least for the two of them, was way off, which got me to thinking what, you know, how how do different people engage with the lyrics to songs, both mechanically, like I don't care if you care about lyrics, I don't care how important they are to the song, but like mechanically speaking, do you understand what they're saying? And hey, Jude, do you did you H E Y space J U D E? Have you been listening to that song for decades and had no idea what they're saying there? Because that would be surprising to me. Because I feel like it's very clearly enunciated. It's also the title of the song, and what else could it be? It's Hey Jude, right? And yet, so, if someone, if I was to meet someone who says, "I've always wondered what the chorus of that song is," my brain would explode. That's so it's, it's, a, cu- it's a couple. Like. It's a couple things with you. It's um, so part part of it is. It sounds like you're saying that. 
for your own reasons, it's surprising to you that somebody could consider a band like one of their favorite bands and then not know the words. That's well, part that's, of it. that's the second level. So the first level is mechanical. Do you understand what they're saying? And right. The second level is, do you care what they're saying? Like, so mm-hmm. some people just, you know, don't really care that much. They right, just right, right, do it right, for right. the music. Or if they don't like, if they don't understand what they're saying in a particular thing, not a big deal. And I feel like they're related because the first one, the mechanical part of like, do you understand what they're saying? If, if that line, like that line, you know, the max is like, you understand every word, even when they mumble. And the min is, you know, you don't know what language they're speaking. So you understand nothing. Um, I can understand not really being into the lyrics at all if you understand every 800th word, because what is there to be into? So it kind of depends on like what your starting point is. It's almost like imagine all the lyrics laid out before you now black out all the words you can understand of the remaining words. How much do you care about those words? And if the remaining words are like three words scattered through the whole song, I bet you're not going to care that much about them because how can they add it into the song for you? Because you only understand three of the words out of the 800 that are in the song. I'm getting from this that you are uh, a, a phrase I've used before, that there are lyrics people and not so much lyrics people. It sounds to me like you are a lyrics person. Well, that's my question to you. It's like, where do you come, just going from the other direction entirely, uh, not mechanically anything, but just uh, like how how into lyrics are you? Like, say your favorite band comes out with a new album, and you're going to listen to that new album or listen to the song. Do you are you listening to the lyrics? Do you look at the lyric sheets that come with the thing if they come with it? Do you seek out lyrics online? Do you listen to it first without thinking about the lyrics, and then later? Like, how, what's your relationship to lyrics? I think my relationship. I'm not a lyrics person. Um, I'm very I'm very into. The tune, the melody, the feel, the sound of it. But with that said, um, I mean, I'm I'm very into certain like phrases or um, cadences. Or there are some lyrics that really, really jump out at me. There's some some songs I feel like I probably know all the lyrics too. But no, on that continuum, I would say I'm very much. If I had to pick, I would say I'm very much not a lyrics person. Even though I may know the lyrics, I went through a um. I really like uh, Bell and Sebastian, and I recently went back and was listening to their first record, Tiger Milk. I think it's Tiger Milk. And I never sat down and actually read the lyrics to their songs, and they're great. They're, I mean, like, you know, Anthony <laughs> went to a Catholic church. I, I, I could sing a ton of their songs, but I, I never really sat down and read the lyrics to She's Losing It. And I just sat there for like an hour listening to this song on repeat. And I mean, I knew it's funny because I mean, there were no words in there that were unrecognizable to me. But then when I actually read and it says, oh, in some cases, there are lines in here that I thought I always got wrong that were right. Lisa met Chelsea at the knocking school. Chelsea didn't feel like following the rules. So they left the place for another school where the boys go with boys and the girls with girls. I mean, I knew all of those. There's nothing in there that surprised me. But when I read the whole song in order, uh, I loved it. So no, I mean, I experienced it on a very zoomed in level. Like, again, certain phrases, like Husker Du songs will have these very, like, you know, catchy, kind of screamy lyrics. But no, I mean, there's, I still have so much to discover in so many songs. So do you ever travel, like, on a journey with a song where, like you said, you're listening mostly in the beginning, like, you know, melody, rhythm, the sound, you know, maybe yes. p- posture, attitude, framing. But then if you listen to the same song for a long time, do you ever find yourself either, A, paying more attention to the lyrics on the 800 listen, or B, actually seeking out the lyrics? Because you're like, you know what? I really like the song and I've been listening to it like, you know, for a year and a half now. Now I want to know more. Do you ever like 
continue. I mean, you must have done it for the Bell and Sebastian thing because you've been listening to that for years and years. Yeah, and you since at the some 90s, point had yeah. occasion to yeah. go back and look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I went through this. Um, I I mean, I've never not liked Ted Leo, but I've recent, fairly recently, last month or so, I've done a deep dive back into Ted Leo, especially some of his middle stuff earlier, not early, early, but like middle-ish stuff, like biomusicology through like, you know, the early 2000s stuff and just albums that I just missed, I would go back and listen to. And uh, I was shocked at like how good his lyrics are. Absolutely a journey. So like a song I would consider like a song I really like. I go through the long winters where like there'll be a song that I really, really like a lot and I'll sit there and then I'll read the lyrics and I'll be like, this is wow, this is really like, I'm, I can appreciate this or view this on a whole other level. What about you? I think like this, this gets back to my listening to top four and uh, being surprised by Marco and Tiff's relationship to lyrics. I think my assumptions about how everyone else listens to songs sort of inform what I think about my own habits. And I'm, I mean, if I try to reconcile it, I realize I, I should have come to this conclusion earlier, but when I think about how other people listen to songs, I I've always imagined that most people, mostly including myself, especially on first listen, don't know what songs are about. And part of that is not knowing the lyrics. Obviously, the first time you hear it, it can be difficult to pick up on the lyrics. But mm-hmm. even songs that you've heard a million times, people don't know what songs are about in general, even their favorite songs. Maybe if it's like a love song, they can tell has something to do with like a love relationship yeah. or, you know, depending. But like for the most part, people don't know what songs are about and that's fine. And I put myself in that category for all sorts of pop songs. Like maybe someone said, hey, what's that song about? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't really know. Like, I know some of the lyrics, but like, you know, maybe I haven't heard it recently or I never really thought about what it's about. Or it's just like, it's just a pop song. It's yeah. about, you know, boy meets girl or like, 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 a, like a Taylor Swift song. Like, I, I mean, the, the first well, I can two tell you t- what all those are about. But well, I mean, I feel like I, I unless I'm super duper wrong, the first two times I hear it, I can hear what all the lyrics are. And I don't say this to minimize my, I really like 1989, like more than I probably should. But like, I think I got a pretty good handle on style. You know what I mean? There's nothing in there that's like utterly opaque to me. Yeah, but sometimes the songs are, you know, but anyway, like what I'm getting is it's it's never seemed important to, to, for, in my experience, for people to know what a song is about. They just, to like the song, you don't have to know what it's about. And that leads me to believe that most people also don't know the lyrics because once you start knowing the lyrics, it's harder to avoid knowing what the song, not impossible, but it's Mm -hmm. harder to avoid knowing what the song is about. So for me, I think, uh, you know, on, on first listen, I feel like I'm like most people. And it's like, oh, you're mostly just enjoying uh, the music, right? I th- I think I have determined that I uh, am above average at the number of words I'm able to decipher in songs. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe Or maybe Mark and Tiff are below average. Maybe you're like, you know, you're a super taster, right? Yeah, but I, maybe like, you're also kind of like a superhero. Yeah, I mean, there is. Uh, we'll get to my lyrics website in a second. I think some of that might be like practice kind of thing. Um but um, I will find if there's a song that I like, I will find myself eventually if I listen to it enough, st- wanting to know, a, what the song is about, probably earlier rather than later, and b, eventually, what all the words are in the song. And not all songs travel that path. If there's some pop song that that I like, and I know it's about like boy meets mm-hmm. girl, or like you you cheated on me, or whatever, some you know eternal topic. 
I don't need to know all the words. Yeah, I believe like, in I miracles. Where you're from, you sexy thing. I'm like, yeah, got the idea. Yeah, like you don't you don't need it, right? But certain songs I will seek out um, the, the lyrics too. So I'm like, I think I in in the spectrum of lyrics person and not lyrics person, I think I am because I care about what people are saying. Like even in even in like songs that are in languages I don't understand, or perhaps especially in them. It's very difficult because you listening to the song doesn't reinforce what what the lyrics are, so you have to look at the translation while the song is playing to get it. But at a certain point, it's important to me to know what the hell they're saying in the song. Hmm. Um, and are you this, are you a Long Winters fan? I I know their one song. Okay. <laughs> I, no, I've seen I've seen John. No no no, play, no, no, so. no 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 don't change the subject. I meant more in the sense of like because his his lyrics are. I think he 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 plays it off like it's this thing he always rushes in the studio. His lyrics are very, very interesting, very impressionistic. Uh, and in, in a couple cases, I've been able to, on background, find out what a song was about, and I'm frequently like gobsmacked. I wouldn't share what it was about, but he'll tell me, and I'm just like, really? That's that's what that was about? Yeah, this is the time that we touched on this in the past, as we've been talking about R.E.M., which is another you sure. know, another another angle on this, is whether, whether it is possible to discern what the song is about based on the lyrics uh, do, you know, is there enough information in the song, or do you need, do you need to know so much more background about the person, the time, or all sorts of stuff to, to suss it out? So, yeah. Um, on the Long Winters thing, I've never seen the Long Winters play, but I've seen John play live many times, and I've heard him sing many of his songs. So I I am familiar enough with his lyrics to understand and rec- you know to uh, to recognize what you're what you're citing the sort of impressionistic nature. It's not his lyrics are simple, but not straightforward. If that makes sense, I, like they're not. I don't know about that. They're, um, they're not. They're not. Uh, I feel like they're not needlessly flowery, but the but the the words that are joined together are joined together in sequences that wouldn't occur to you. Like they're. I don't know if you call them poetic or you call them. Well, I say I would say evocative. Here's here's one that like I I sang along with this song from probably the second time that I heard it. But then sometimes I would catch myself and just go like, "What?" So uh, rice won't grow at home, and the moon doesn't favor girls. Giant fork and spoon is a sign that the game is on. You know karate now? From a show? When two of the raiders come, I'm counting on you to throw more than shapes. Yeah, so that's a great example because all those words are like one or two syllables long. They're all words that everybody knows and yet the yes. sequences they're put in are very surprising. Okay, I, I, yeah, I'll take that point. Yeah. 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 Um, and it, that and many REM songs, uh, you know, I'm very often defeated by saying, look, I don't know enough about this person this time or the context that I'm not getting to ever figure out what this song is about. Doesn't mean I don't enjoy it, but sometimes learning the lyrics... I don't think the, you, the evocativeness... I mean, can, camera's an outlier. Like, anybody can kind of tell what that's about. You hear the story and you go, yeah, well, obviously that's what that's about. But, like, generally, I mean, don't you feel like... I feel like especially on some of the earlier albums, not the super early albums, but I would say on stuff like, especially I'll say Reckoning and Fate... Not Fables, Reckoning and... Yeah, Reckoning, Fables, Life's Rich Pageant, which have really grown on me over the years... Especially, I mean, I've always, Reckoning's always been my favorite REM album, but I've really, you know, even in the last year or two, um, the other ones have grown on me. But, you know, um, but they just talked about this on, actually, they just talked about this on uh, his show with uh, Ken Jennings, Kahotek. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Omnibus? Yeah, on Omnibus. They talked about I'm the behind Co- on that. Kahotek, the, com- the Comet, and basically that song from, I think it's li- not Life First Passion, it's probably from Fables, but like how you went away like Kahotek, like this is the disappointing comet. You know, you. I think this, the 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 lyrics are even when they're word salad, they're extremely evocative, and you can get that this is something about loss. And I mean, so many songs are about love and loss, but 
I mean, well, you, can, you can look up Gohotech, but the, you, have, you need more help when they're when the the lyrics are more sort of opaque. And that's so that's the the the, the next danger in lyrics. Say this is a song <laughs> you love, you know all the lyrics from it, and you know what it means to you. Yeah, hearing and this is why I assume uh, many artists don't do this. Hearing the artist explain to you, oh, this song is actually about you know my experience at summer camp with blah blah blah, and this thing is this person, this thing is that person, and you're like, but well, wait a second. I've listened to this song my whole life and I understand every single word of it and I sing along with it. And I've always felt like the song means this and my, the meaning that I take from it fits perfectly with the words that you're saying. But now that you tell me it's about when like a camp counselor drowned at camp when you were a kid, I wasn't thinking about that at all. And I didn't think it was about anybody drowning. (laughs) And so then, then it's like, well, is the song, is it song changed for you at that point? Or can you go back, can you retreat back to, well, this is what the song means to me. I don't care what the song means to you. Or do you just feel like, like, especially, this is especially, especially if they, if the, if the artist explains it and you're like, oh, that makes even more sense than my interpretation. <laughs> you're like, oh, right, 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 right. Because my interpretation fits really good with these three lines that always stood out to me. But if you look at the whole song as a whole, my interpretation actually doesn't fit with this part and that part that I always gloss over because they're in the bridge or I'm trying to think of examples of that where I've gotten it wrong or off. That I well, know the, of the the universal example. I mean, this is you know this is punching down a little bit, but the universal example for uh, a song that most people know that most people also don't understand is "Born in the USA." Like that's oh, the canonical right. example, yeah. right? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they played at football games for everyone to say, you, you know, "USA Patriot, go go" or whatever, and like, yeah, not not people that have spent a lot of time listening to the river. Like not getting right. it, or, this, or have yeah. looked at the lyrics and examined them in any way beyond like I see it, the it's, USA. It's such a stentorian. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word for it, but you know, it's got it's got such a big like stadium kind of. It almost sounds like a marching band is playing it, and that mid tempo. It really it sounds like and like a, a patriotic adulatory song about the American system. Yeah, punctuated, like. and and it's Bruce Springsteen, and he's yelling, and there's an American flag on on the cover of the album that he is definitely not he's pissing not definitely on, not peeing and, on it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But it just it just like it collectively went over the entire nation's head, and the thing about that is like, is that mostly fine? Like, I don't know if it bothers Bruce Springsteen. Probably not. Um, but that's that's an example of people like this is what the song means to me. And if that's what the song means to you and you enjoy it, and even if you understand every single word of it, or even if you just know the chorus, that's probably fine. And But if you were one of those people and eventually somehow you encountered, uh, either by looking at the lyrics yourself or listening to Bruce Springsteen or any other sort of thing, realize what the song is actually about, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that not changing the song for you. Like, I don't know if you can retreat back to your previous understanding once you understand what the song is actually about. Like... I'm not going to say this. I've been trying to studiously avoid saying the song is "quote unquote" ruined for you, right. but I feel like it. I feel like your experience of the song must necessarily be changed by that by that realization and that knowledge. Well, or like in another age, I am totally failing. My memory is utterly failing me. I feel like I have a million examples of this, but in another age, let's say 20, 30 years ago, to find out that a song was not about a boy in love with a girl. To find out that maybe it was it was a, a, a unrequited love song about a boy who loves a boy. Oh, well, let's take it to another level. What if that was a song that was actually about a boy who was in love with a straight boy? Do you know what I'm saying? Th- those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, like th- that's, that's I think that's another example. Um, the other way the things can change, and I find this is more the case with me than uh, than the others, is that you learn 
more about what the song is about, or at least you think you do. Like, that's the whole trick of just being convinced that you actually think you're learning. Obviously, if, if the artist is giving the interview, that's a good source. But they, A, artists lie, and B, <laughs> like, they might not remember either. Um, and it might change over time. But if you come to believe that the song is really about something slightly different than you thought, very often for me, I'm like, actually, that is better than my interpretation. It is it is more more evocative, oh, yeah. more thought provoking, uh, puts a new angle on it that makes me enjoy the song more. Right? Well, it can give it a it can give it a whole new angle. It's just you have to give up. You have to have some uh, lose your ego and humility. Get some humility about going like, oh, this was not a song that was for me in the way that I was interpreting. Yeah, it. I, I feel like that adds to it, and especially if it's like you know, the, the examples you gave of like you think it's a love song, and you just you just map your impression of love onto it, and you realize it's about something different. Especially if it's like a boy in love with a straight boy, which adds an angle that was not present in yours. Hundred yeah. percent. But I, that's the type of thing where I feel like I can still completely hold on to my interpretation because it's you know it's it's more or less the same thing it's like well that's that's how you experience love and you're missing this extra angle in the song which now you can appreciate but you can still appreciate the song from the the basic unrequited love as you understand it angle all the while understanding that the song is actually those are the songs that really really get me and there's a band i like a lot i've talked about on rec on that's this show on um, do by friday called um a band called um team drash and it's four four uh, riot girl lesbian women um, singing this this very like mostly like kind of like open throttle punk rock, but with really beautiful voices, sometimes screamy voices. But their songs, their love songs about women are also like it's about a certain kind of like triumph in the face of extreme adversity. Where like no, that doesn't make me want to go make out with somebody. It makes me want to cheer. Like to this, I mean, that, that album is like probably what, 20, 20, almost 25 years old at this point. And I still, I put it on and I almost tear up when I listen to it because it's, it's so moving to me to hear, I don't know. That's one of those narratives that'll always get me. I mean, yeah, I have to I say. Mean, I, I, bringing back Taylor Swift again, I feel that a lot in, in Taylor Swift music, which is, you know, very straightforward as far as that type of thing go. But, um, I, I hear in her music. Kind of like also in Madonna's music, sort of the Taylor Swift of our time, I'm sure. A Madonna would love us saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's a conventional point of view, for the most part, it is a conventional point of view that's different than mine. But it, And it is so strongly expressed. Like m- most women singers, when they're singing a love song, the love song is, a, is a, composed in a way that is comfortable for men to listen to. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, female artists coming from their perspective very strongly and don't give a damn about what the men it's not about the men's perspective and it's not about a story that fits into the men's vision of how this should go provides like I, th- that comes through in the music to me and even though i don't share that experience or that perspective it provides more to me than a song that is a reflection of you know experiences that i've had right because it's an, because it's a new angle, and the same way that you're enjoying the lesbian riot girls thing, you don't know what it's like to be a lesbian riot girl, but right. it's but you you may be bored with what it's like to be a horny teenage boy or whatever. He's like mm-hmm. been there, done that. Show me something new, and you can experience that in the same way you would experience any other. Like that that adds an angle that is not there in uh, in music that speaks directly to you. Yeah, but it's also not not to dwell on the gay thing forever. But um, there's an interesting and maybe at this point slightly problematic movie called The Celluloid Closet. It's basically about the history of gay people and the way gay people are portrayed in movies. And you know, there's there's a big thread throughout this movie. On the one hand, about 
this is, I mean, I, I think at one time this was a pretty big component of gay culture was this ability to read against the grain. I think it's, you know, maybe I don't know if it's such a hip thing to do anymore, but like uh, you can go back and watch something like Boys in the Band and see that reading against the grain of a text is, was, was a huge part of gay culture at a certain point and being able to interpret your own meanings and what was happening. And a lot of times it was a song that a w- woman was singing about her unrequited love for a man, which would get a lot of traction and especially uh, like a gay um, men's community. And I think that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, um, I'm not sure. It's like slash fic of the day. Yeah, I, I guess so. But there's also, then it becomes, a, like I say, it becomes a different kind of song. It's just not, it's not, you know, about me getting to bone down with Mary Jane or whatever. Um, let's see. Katie Lang. Hmm. Right. Yeah, although, like I feel like that, that you know, uh, uh, gay people reading against the the grain of Texas because what choice did they have? Like there, it, there was no way for them to speak their truth in media in a straightforward way because that was just you know that was not not allowed, right? So they they take take what you can get, right? That's what I feel like that is a an act of uh, both desperation and triumph to say we are taking possession of this because mm-hmm. we're not allowed to. Uh, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And then the other part, so this, with regard to Cellular Closet, on the one hand, it is about like seeing yourself on screen in some way. And this, this is a, a movie from, I think, the maybe the early 90s. But talking to a lot of a lot of grown adult gay people who were like, how, um, how exciting and scary, how exhilarating and strange it was to like see anybody gay doing anything even if it was like some kind of extreme today something we consider pretty offensive some kind of extreme like sissy in a movie but there are people talking about like being like an 11 year old kid living in the midwest and seeing that movie and going oh that's like me there's i see something about myself in this but then you go to the next level and you get to the people who were passing but we're writing for Hollywood. You get people like Gore Vidal, who, you know, Gore Vidal, you can't always trust everything he says, but talks about the stuff that he was writing for, I want to say Ben-Hur, and how he was deliberately seeing how gay he could make those scenes to get it on, <laughs> to just to be able to get it on the screen. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Fracture. You guys know Fracture. You can learn more about Fracture right now by visiting FractureMe.com. Because Fracture is the company that can take your favorite images and print them directly onto glass for you to display in your home or office. You could probably put them up in your van, too. You could put them anywhere. They're Fractures. Hey, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. I don't know if there's still time for this, but whatever the day is, it makes a perfect and very thoughtful gift. And believe me, they do. People love getting Fractures. They are handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. source materials. And their sleek, frameless design goes with any decor. Ordering is super simple and fractures come ready to display straight out of the box. They even include the wall hanger dingus. It's right in there. That is how fuss free the fracture experience is. And you know what? Hey, fracture, they're a green company, okay? Operating a carbon neutral factory, which they lovingly refer to as their fractory. I said this before, but I'm a huge fan of these. There's all kinds of great stuff you can put on there. People love getting these as gifts. You could really make somebody's day. Go into your phone, look at your favorite photos, photos that you have given the little heart to, and think, is there anybody in my life who would love to have this printed on glass and sent to them? I'll bet there's somebody out there that would just love that. Think about doing that for yourself and your family. Fracture prints are a great addition to any home. They make such great gifts for family and friends. It's time to rescue those photos that are hidden away on your devices. So please head over to FractureMe.com. You can get started and see how sleek these fractures look. 
please remember, when you go, use the code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S, and that will get you 15% off your first order. Also, do me a proper. Don't forget to pick Reconcilable Differences in their one-question survey, as that lets them know you heard about Fracture from us, and that helps to support the show. So please go over. Open your browser right now. You go to FractureMe.com and use that offer code DIFFS for 15% off your order. Our thanks to Fracture for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. So, your lyrics thing. Yeah, yeah. So, the, the next angle on this is my website and my my obsession. Uh, you know, so we've talked about this before. You two was my, my first favorite band. I don't know if there's a better name for that. First favorite. First, mm-hmm. first band that I was obsessed with uh, because that was the music late bloomer as discussed in past episodes. And the web was just coming around in 1992 and 93. Uh, and I think, I mean, a lot of people I knew had websites that they were making. Like, you know, at, at our college, you know, you could make a website at the college uh, underneath the college's domain, you know, tilde your own name. Tilda, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever, like that was a thing. And people would make, you know, this is my page. This is what I'm into. If they're in a band, of course, they would list that there. Uh, maybe they would, you know. I, had, I think I had a Beach a Boys. I had a Beach Boys appreciation page. Yeah, like you, you need. Here's what you need. Like, so you, you can put a page up that anyone in the world can see. Yeah, you can pick whatever you want to put on it. Your question is, what do I put on it? Yeah. Right. This is. I mean, and this was a novel problem. And I, I like you were, doing, this you, were you doing CGI programming at this point? Could you do CGI bin stuff? I sure could. I surely could. So you already um, were doing Pearl. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. 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 So you could because, do like database I mean, stuff. Uh, there was no databases for me to do it with. No, but no database stuff at that point. Flat files. Uh, okay. Lots of lots of fun stuff. But anyway, um, given like I I always appreciate. And I will tell my poor, long suffering children and grandchildren this all the time. I always appreciate the fact that I was born at a time where. The beginning of my life, there was no internet, and then sort of in the in the uh, in my young adulthood, we went from no internet that most people used to like you know where we are today, and that I was there for that time, and so I got to sort of be in the mix at the forefront of, hey, there's this thing called the web. Have you heard about it? someone i'm thinking of making a home page did you see this thing what's a home page what's html like no you know being able to go along for that ride and i'll always appreciate that because there are advantages to growing up before all this and there are advantages to growing up after but i feel like being in the transition was just incredibly exciting but all this is to say that when i was faced with the problem of so you're gonna put uh you're gonna make a, a web page for yourself and you can put anything you want on it and the whole world can see it that was a novel problem. People were just then being faced with this problem that had never before been faced put in front of anyone. Regular people. Like, when did you ever get that opportunity? It's like saying, you can write a book and, and we will make sure that every person in the world can, that book will be outside their doorstep if they want to pick it up. What do you want to put in it? Most people won't pick it up because they don't care about your damn book, but some people will. What do you want to put in it? That, that was basically the web, like the analogy for the web. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know. What do I, what do I want to, like... Do I put my resume up? Some people did that. Some people put their resumes up. I mean, Some people, but what are the kinds of things people, people would do? Quotes would be one. Yeah, inspirational quotes. I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah like movie quotes. Uh, a lot of it was my pages were just like, here's a bunch of stuff that I liked with an image that I found somewhere. 
like you know, you, for your for your as they would say back then, and this was an important distinction at the time. That was for your homepage. Your your Tilda mm-hmm. thing was your homepage. That was that had a reason because that was in like that's why they call it that. And uh, yeah, it would just frequently be like this this this. It was not consider people initially didn't think of it very much as a publishing platform. You might have announcements for your club or something, but mostly it was you knew that it was there was not that many people that were going to see it. It was all just weirdos out there who would probably never find it to begin with unless you somehow got listed on Yahoo. If they knew what a web browser was, like for the early times, like who even knew what a web browser was, right? Who even knew what a URL was? So I had a a good warm up for this with my dot plan file, which was a local, like, I mean, (laughs) I went to a big university with 30,000 students, but every one of those 30,000 students could, uh, I was going to say finger me, but I don't want to get you started on that. No, Um, no, I know know what you're talking about. You you got into that, that was the equivalent in some ways of like an uh, AIM status, right? In some ways. Yeah. And so you put a a dot plan file in your home directory. If someone ran the finger command on your username, they would see the contents of your dot plan file. It's kind of like a local university only, although you could do it across universities and most people didn't. Um, Text file, then you could put the contents of that anybody could see within that circle. And so I think I actually did have literally like, you know, funny or inspirational or uh, clever quotes in in my dot plan file to try to express who I am. So I feel like I burned through that before the web um, in a sort of accelerated cycle. So by the time the web came along and I saw what other people were doing, I was like, well, I feel like I've already walked that road with my dot plan file, which, by the way, I continue to maintain for, for years after the web was already a thing. Um, so when I looked to do the web, I'm like, I mean, I don't. I wish I could. I'm retconning this. I have no idea what my thought process was. Who who knows what the thought process is when when you're 18 years old? Like it's just, I, it's too far away. I can't I can't retrieve it. But it's clear that I had decided that I didn't just want to make a page about me or express something about me. Probably because I f- didn't feel like there was anything about me that I wanted to broadcast the world. Like the my dot plan file was just for the university and only for the people who knew my username. Right? I wanted to make a website that was like the websites that I appreciated, which was like. A resource like making the web be a richer place by like there's a place where you can go that will show you like like you know all the different kinds of legos right like an informational page like a resource that's on the web something like wow did you know again in the early days of the web is like wow did you see this place there's a place on the web where you can go get this like we felt like we knew everything that was on the web and every time something new came on the web we were excited by it right right and so i wanted to make one of those things I'm like well what what do i have to offer at that point i was obsessed with you two I had all their stuff. I was running around all around Boston, finding all their bootlegs and, and rare, you know, singles and, and all sorts of stuff. I mean, I guess as part of my obsession with that, I was interested in what the lyrics were to all these things. And I knew people at that point were trying to put song lyrics up on the web. And the few times I had gone to look at them for U2 stuff, they were awful and wrong and terrible. <laughs> and so I said, like, if this is just a bunch of kids, like, it's no, you know, whatever. There's no. And so I said, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I am because there was the other popular thing was discographies. Remember discography? The yeah, word that every, Everyone in the early days of the web knows because of the websites. It was like, here's just, I'm just going to list all the stuff this band made, including all the rare 12 inch colored disc, you know, vinyl bootleg. Well, especially for stuff like, like say the Grateful Dead, where it was something that you couldn't, you couldn't find that in like trouser press or something. You know what I mean? It could be something where you had whatever your little obscure thing was, even if you didn't have all of the information, you could cobble together the parts that you had and put yeah. it. Yeah, and you can kind of crowdsource it, but you use a be, table. <laughs> yeah, you'd be the webmaster, and then you just accept input. So right. anyway, I wanted to make a website to list all of YouTube's music and the lyrics because I felt like this could be a resource for everybody. And me being the cheap person that I am, I didn't want to have to pay to host it, 
and I wanted to be able to do more sophisticated things than I could do on my very limited uh, university account. So I made this website basically locally. Um, I, you know, it wasn't interactive, sophisticated things. I mean, by like having a huge number of pages, I would have gone over my, like, what was it? Like a two megabyte disquoter or something? Yes. Megabytes. Oh, it was, it was, I mean, I was paying my first paid account was, I think it was $40 a month for hosting. And it was very, very minimal. Nothing. I mean, not, there was no, no <laughs> I mean, there was nothing to download, but if there had been anything to download apart from, apart from animated GIFs, like, it, no, it, it wouldn't yeah, have cut it. Just, just one 640 pixel wide banner image. I'm already, yeah. you know, two megabytes goes by fast. If I put up like a little files. QuickTime image of something I made in Premiere or something, like some remix of something that I did, like I would have, blow, that postage stamp would have blown all my bandwidth in probably yeah. an hour. So I made the website locally. Uh, and with a bunch of images that I made myself in, in Photoshop very badly. And I used my connections through Usenet because I was on all the YouTube groups to find someone who had a YouTube website that had like, you know, band news and history of the band and like live dates and tickets and, you know, commentary. And my pitch to, to these people is like, if either A, you don't have a lyric section, I could be that lyric section, or B, uh, your lyric section that you have sucks. Uh, use mine instead. I think about someone give, for giving me free hosting, period, for the thing, for my site, which was the U2 Lyrics Archive, U2LA. Um, and then eventually wait, I wait, that, on That's what it was called? Yeah, you, the U2 Lyrics Archive, U2LA. It was right in the, right in the logo, right in my Photoshop creative hey, you made it yourself. U2LA. That's a pretty good name. I mean, yeah, for the time. Because you remember, cute names were very popular. Oh, yeah, no. It's like IMDb. I, it was Professor IMDb, John's U2 Terraritorium. I didn't know enough to, to brand my own name. But anyway, I, I had it hosted on someone else's free web hosting for a long time. Then eventually I glommed on to some other bigger YouTube site and I was the, the lyric section of it. Um, but yeah, so and my process for doing the lyrics, like I, I organized this, the site by albums and B-sides. And, you know, I still have the site somewhere on my desk. It looks so tiny and, and quaint now. But I would listen to the, the music and transcribe it. And the practice of doing that I think taught me a lot about uh, understanding lyrics because you just listen to it and try to transcribe it. You will reach a limit really fast where you're like, look, like, like they were doing on, on top four, like what this sounds like. It sounds like five other words that it can't possibly be. Uh, and no matter how many times I listen to it, it is not becoming any more clear to me. So mm-hmm. the, the next tool in your arsenal <laughs> could it really is, be oh, about was it crystal bears. <laughs> Yeah, well, the next tool in your arsenal, which it feels like it was a tool that, that, that Marco and Tiff did not take out for their entire life, which boggles my mind, is like, maybe there are context clues. What does it seem like the song is about? What's the title of the song, right? Uh, what would make sense in the context of the song? Forget about what it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like a crystal bear. Or it sounds like something entirely different. Like, do you think they might be saying pellet gun in a song about guns? Or is it is it pelican? Like, what's more likely? I'm going to say pellet gun, which A, is a thing, and B, is a kind of gun. I know it sounds like pelican. It sounds a lot like pelican. I get that. Perhaps it sounds more like pelican than it sounds like pellet gun, although it doesn't in this case. But I'll even give you that. But you have to use context clues. Second, and that's like first level stuff. I feel like everyone needs to do that when they listen to lyrics. Because we all fall into the trap of just saying the word that it sounds like in our head because it's fun to say and we don't care what the hell the song is about because we're just enjoying it. But if you get to the point where you're actually trying to figure out what the lyrics are, you must use context. Second thing, which is a very important tool, I already said I was wandering around Boston getting all of these, you know, bootleg CD, you know, live tape recording things and stuff or whatever. 
find alternate versions of the song. Oh, alternate stakes from the smart. studio, live songs. And you got to be careful because some bands, especially you two, change the lyrics live. Why do they change them live? Because they just like to screw with you. Because they change their mind about the lyric. Because they like some other lyric better or whatever. But not always. And if you can get them saying the same line seven different times, you can start sort of homing in on what the hell they're actually saying. Because Mm -hmm. live is often much more clear, especially if you can get an isolated vocal track. And the more data points you have, the closer you will get. You have to, again, you have to be careful because maybe they're saying something different live. Maybe they changed their mind. But that will get you a lot closer. We said Stipe. Stipe did that a lot. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sometimes they just forget the lyrics too, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then the final thing is, and this is the the most difficult one for any lyrics thing, is you got to sit with and live with that transcription for a while. I was changing transcriptions right up to the time that I stopped maintaining the site. Uh, you can never get married to what is written there because hmm. if there is new information or if you have, say you've heard an interview with the man and they said that actually the song is about uh, the, the camp counselor drowning at summer camp, right? Mm-hmm. And you didn't realize that and you had seven alternate interpretations in your notes and you went with the one that you that was sort of the best compromise between what you heard and what you think the song is about and this new information pushes it in the other direction, you got to change it, right? That's what makes things accurate. You can never become married to your pelican, right? You need to just be like, be open to the idea that they're not saying pelican. And once you learn the song is about guns, you're like, oh, all right. Well, Pelican has been pushed off the pedestal, and now it's it's back to Pelican. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that many years of experience of the difficult task of not just one time transcribing songs, but revisiting them and you know accumulating because this, there's some toughies in the YouTube catalog, leading me to like, and why do I say like all the lyrics websites are wrong except for mine because all of them are like they either copy and paste lyrics from somewhere or they transcribe them once and they're done with them. It takes a certain kind of obsession to never consider them done, to always to always be correcting and fixing and always be open to the idea that what you have there is not correct. To sort of, you know, the thing, like constantly doubting your memories of things, yeah. constantly doubting your lyrics, that is the essential tool for having a correct lyrics website. And most of them couldn't give two figs about the correctness of the lyrics, will never change them once they're pasted on the page. And so that's why I say, look, if you find lyrics online, don't assume those are anywhere close to the correct lyrics. If I, you I find think you're soft pedaling a little bit. You've, you've, you've spoken much more bluntly about it. I think your phrase was that every lyric site is wrong. Yeah, but you should go in with things. That's the problem with like looking stuff up. Just assume that what you find on the web is wrong. Is every single word of it wrong? No, but don't read it and say, oh, I always thought they were saying this. But I right. just looked at the lyrics and they're actually saying X. You don't know that. You, you, yes, you did look it up. And yes, you found some words on the internet, but that doesn't mean that's what they're actually saying. If you actually want to know what they're saying, you actually have to go through the process that I just described. Transcribing yourself, finding multiple versions, figuring out the background for the song. Like you, There's no shortcut to that. Um, unless you just really have no idea what they're saying and it's perfectly clear once you see the lyrics. Like, you know, it's, it's straightforward. But for any lyric that is difficult, that's why I feel like when they're looking up like the Yell Ledbetter lyrics and stuff, like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Like that is I, a... I could, I could, listening to the show, I could, I could hear... In my head, I feel like I could hear you straining at their approach. The credulity at, at what they found. It's like, yeah, that's what one person thinks they're saying, and maybe it's close, and it's probably closer than what you got, but like, don't take it as gospel because it's written on the I've definitely run into that with REM lyrics, where like sites that are oh, yeah. would would have you believe that they're authoritative about this come up with completely different... Some, some lines will be very, very different. Yeah, because the thing is, most lyrics that exist on the web, especially today, but even back in the beginning, are not 
there because there's some individual person who has a passion for lyrics transcription. They're just yeah. there as a thing that somebody, some database feels like they need to have. Like, this is one of the things that we have. And and the, the, the real kicker to that is, you know, so when I was doing all of this, this was A, before the days that music companies would sue you for putting lyrics on because your knowledge that they're copyrighted. Like, you can't make your own website with the, the copyrighted lyrics of a band. But this was before before the lawyers found the internet, right? Because nobody <laughs> cared, right? Right. Uh, and B, it's before you too had a website. Because, again, being there at the dawning of the web, weird nerds at universities were making homepages and websites for each other. Right. But quote-unquote real businesses didn't know or care anything about the web. So it was No, I mean, it was, like, it, was, it was like a lemonade stand. Yeah, it was like years and years before, you know, any bands had websites, and even longer, I feel like, before U2 had a website. Like, there was no U2 website on the web from the band or the music label or anything like that, right? It's hard to believe, but that was the state of fair for many, many years. So eventually, when U2.com came online, and if you look up the timeline, it is a ridiculous number of years after the web was, like, around for everybody. When U2.com came, you would figure the people making U2.com should have a section of their website that contains the lyrics to their songs. And you're yeah. like, finally, the official website of the band will have, like, the authoritative lyrics. And this gets back to what I was saying earlier. Don't assume that lyrics you find on the website, uh, on, on the web are right. Also do not assume, and I think we talked about this in the REM episode, that the liner notes that come in your CD right. have any relation to the lyrics. There's any, the any number of ways those lyrics made it there, including it could have been transcribed by somebody typing, like, a, from a demo, that never got released. Yeah. It could be a, a, a even back in the days before you know, Pro Tools or whatever. You might they might have cut out a verse or they might have changed a bridge. There's all kinds of yeah, ways. Or it could a, be that they, somebody's recollecting that they're half drunk when they wrote down what the lyrics were. And yeah, it's not what's in the song. Take or like, but the bottom line is that the, the, the people who prepare those lyrics don't really care whether those are accurate. It's just they feel like liner notes and lyrics are something that you have to have. And it's close enough, and maybe the band doesn't care, or maybe the band has no control over it, because they see, they see them the first time after they're already printed 10,000 of them, and it's too late. And it's like, what can you do? Like, you know, they don't have control over that. They can only control so many things, whatever. Um, so you can't assume that they're correct. So anyway, YouTube.com comes online. You think they're going to have the official lyrics. Well, I didn't think that, because I knew that the lyrics they put in their liner notes were garbage. <laughs> like, they, were, they, were, they were not right. They were not even close. Did they usually them, include lyrics? They did in a lot of the CDs, and I can never I, tell because I, I don't. I don't listening on cassette. I was buying them on cassette. I think I bought War. I, well, I had a. You know what? I had October. Not October. I had um Boy on vinyl, and I had October on. How did I get it? But Boy, I definitely bought on vinyl. I'm trying to remember. I feel like that had lyrics with it. Yeah, I, like I said, I never, I never bought them the albums, the records. Um, so I don't know if if that was a, something they added for the CDs because those little booklets that came with the cds like it's clear that they tried to reuse album art but it's also clear that someone in like a desktop publishing program was making these things and you know i could never tell whether these lyrics existed in the, in the actual albums or records um or they were new for the cds i want to find it now i want to see um what uh were there certain eras oh, I, I gotta finish my youtube.com sorry sorry i muted myself when i was trying to sneeze oh, but sorry, the sneeze went away so youtube.com arrives uh they do, in fact, have a lyric section eventually. I don't think on day one, but eventually they have a lyric section, which I am very interested in seeing. Around this time, also, YouTube's lawyers or YouTube's labels lawyers are getting around to emailing everybody and telling them to take them their website. So oh, jeez. The end is near for me. Um, and I eventually they have a lyric section. I go to the lyric section, and what do I see there? My lyrics. What? Are you even kidding me? 
And how do I know they're my lyrics? They had, my your, typos had your typos? Oh. My typos are there. Like, first of all, some you did, things, you did that before it was cool. I didn't do it on purpose, first of all, yeah. because there's a lot of lyrics. And second of all, certain lines that I knew for a fact were just bogus. Because like certain, when you're doing a, le- a website, sometimes you have to punt. Like You have to put a line there, and you're like, for the life of me, I have no idea what they're saying. They never say this live. I have no alternate versions. I can't think of anything in context. I'm going to put something that sounds plausible. And so you write it. And you're like, there's no way that anyone else would come up with this because it's not even the thing that sounds the most like the album. It's just some BS that I made up. So A, typos, and B, those BS lines, they were my lyrics. The other way I could tell, where the new lines were. I chose like when to go to the next line. Mm-hmm. And my choices were A, wrong in terms <laughs> of how you're supposed to do song lyrics, and B, very different than the line notes and very different than other things. Wait, how did, well, what was your first feeling when you figured it out? When you, when you very first went, first you go, huh? And then you go, oh, like, what was your first feeling? Uh, disappointment, because I really hoped, I, even though I had all said you know, that you can't trust things, I really hoped that they, that whoever was doing the website, like, would have an inside line somehow to be able to get more accurate lyrics than I did, because they're the official website. Right. And to see that instead what they did was just Googled for U2 lyrics, which I was very high up in the Alta Vista search rankings for at that time. Or I right, was in the Yahoo right. I was in the Yahoo directory for music, you know, music which, U2 which was a huge lyrics. deal at the time. Right. Yeah. I was That's in, like getting was called a, up to the bigs. I was above the fold. There was no fold. It was a page with with like a table of blue links and my link was on there, like, you know, halfway down the, the left hand column. You didn't have to scroll. Like I wow. was there. So they found my website, they found my lyrics, and they just Copied and pasted them into the site. Jimmy. And eventually my, my site got, you know, chick-hand because you can't have lyrics up. And so did that uh, happen? Were you contacted? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. I mean, mostly you can just ignore it because what are you going to do? I'm a student or whatever. But eventually it was just like. <laughs> you can't stop they, the internet, man. <laughs> they laid off mostly because like eventually my uh, the, my site reemerged on one of the more popular fan sites that the, that the, the band's lawyers eventually had allowed to exist. And then it just kind of like festered until that faded away. Eventually I just stopped updating. Like they released a new album or they released a new single for a new album and I didn't transcribe it. And that's when I knew it was over because I just, you know, life, life moves on. I'll tell you something I find super interesting. Um so they have many, many lyrics on YouTube.com, uh, including a bunch of covers, A, that B, are unattributed to the writers of those songs, and C, have no mark or notice about who owns it. Yeah, the lyrics, the lyrics have changed many times since then, by the way. So if you go to the YouTube.com and you think, these are your lyrics, they're not anymore. But I'm just saying, like, happiness, happiness is a warm gun has a pretty well-known author. Yeah, but people they, the people who are on the website, they just copy and paste. They just Google at this point for happiness is a warm gun lyrics, copy, paste, go. And like credit, copyright, uh, correctness, forget it. Like just nothing. There's a lot of covers on here. Never mind that I guarantee you if Bono sings happiness is a warm gun, he does not sing the correct lyrics. <laughs> He's singing whatever the hell he feels like that it is his vague memory of what happiness is a warm gun sounds like. like he, <laughs> There's, he's, I heard he was know, on the Grammys recently. Yeah, so, so if you copy and paste the actual lyrics, to "Happiness Storm Gun," that's not what he's saying in any form on an album or in any form whatsoever. So, oh, yeah. that is weak sauce. Yeah, like so a Gene it's, Genie. It's, it's tough out there. It's tough out there for lyrics. And so, all you know, so what if I care about the lyrics and I want to look it up and I want to learn what the song is about? There's only so much you can do. Something Satellite like "Song Exploder," love. "Satellite of is, Love." That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, Ugh, it's so gross. <laughs> He also messes with lurks and that. Um, like Song Exploder, the podcast where they 
take apart the component pieces of a song and have the people who wrote and performed the song talk about it mm-hmm. is a great podcast. I wish it was like five times as long as it Me is. Too. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, they get to talk about what they want, you know, and that's a good way to get some insight because like I said, for the most part, it seems to me that artists don't want to same writers and, and even, you know, filmmakers like, so they don't want to have a discussion about what their art means. Uh, Part of it is they don't want to, you know, again, not ruin, but change people's interpretation of it because they feel like whatever you're getting from it is fine. And just because this is what I wrote about doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. yeah. But part of it is it might feel personal and they don't want to uh, talk about something that's personal. Right. Like, like, it's yeah, like the yeah, whole, yeah. That's the whole reason I wrote the song. If I could talk about it at this personal issue, I wouldn't have written the song. Like, that's why there's yeah, a song. Yeah. Like, when is it a good day for Michael Stipe to like have to sit down and have some kind of conversation about something he wrote when he was 20, you know? But you, you also get into a, another weird angle with this. And I don't even know how to say this because it sounds so weird and silly. But, you know, words are mouth sounds. And, you know, I mean, I, I guess, okay, one extreme example. Like, you know, what if you disagree about a vamping, na na hey hey kind of part of a song? That, that's something where I think, you know, sensible people could hear something different, punctuate it differently. But I mean, is there, I mean, that's one example, if, if you see my inroad here. The other one is like, is there a chance that that's not really the word that they used? Is it, I mean, like with Eddie Vedder, like the, I, there were a few where I thought, okay, they're just being silly. They're just, they're, they're being a little fun, having fun with this. But like, what do you say when it's not really a word? What do you put there? Uh, I felt compelled to transcribe the non-word utterances, mostly because I wanted to get the counts right. Because I don't like it when there's like a da-da or la-la part and people get the counts wrong. Because usually the counts fit into the rhythm of the song. Or I feel like they're important very often. on Even on some of John Roderick's songs, the entire chorus is not the entire chorus. The majority of the chorus is non-word. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Sometimes that Te- works. Teaspoon. Great. It means something different every time. Teaspoon. That's that's a word, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even even the most recent uh, REM song Exploder heard, what was it about? Um well, you you would know. You should probably listen to it too. The most recent. Try not to uh, breathe. Oh yeah, right. So <laughs> who was he saying that Mills demanded that, that there always be lyrics, even during the bridge? So he just moan because one of his band members says you just always got to have lyrics, and he seemed like resigned. All right, I think I forget it was, it was Mills or so. He's uh, it like uh, that's the way he he was just matter of fact. It's like, and he just always said that there has to be lyrics. So I had no lyrics for the bridge. So when he played the bridge, I just I just do you know. Uh, uh, you know, wordless moaning. Yeah, and I'm like, that's one of my favorite parts of the song. I remember, <laughs> like, I can <laughs> hum that part in the bridge of trying not to breathe because, like, if you took that away, it would feel like a different song. It's just a throwaway for them, as they just said there had to be lyrics all the time. But I'm like, that's one of my favorite parts. And so, how do you transcribe that? Like, I, when I would do transcriptions, I would feel like I love this part of the song, and even though there are no words, I I need to. It needs to have a uh, presence. It needs to. It needs to be recognized, mm-hmm. you know, to do the song. with it, It's like, uh, like it's like doing "Hey Jude" without without the the na na na. Like, wh- what are you going to write there? Nothing. And song basically ends and just "Hey Jude" a bunch of times. Oh come on, that's not what the end of that song is like. Everyone knows what the end of that song is like. It's more than just "Hey Jude." So you got you just right, got right. to no, no, absolutely. It. I, I'm also thinking about how uh, with in my declining years when I'm listening to watching TV quietly at night, I do very fre- frequently turn on subtitles, and I'm always intrigued. By the art form. It really isn't. I mean, it is an art form because you'll see where most of the time it's verbatim what someone is saying. 
except for the times when it's not, and they leave out words in the interest of space and time, like being able to fit in what's happening. And then, I mean, I still, I've been doing this for a year or two, and I still laugh when I see, you know, distant radio chatter or, you know, uh, moaning continues. <laughs> you see stuff that's like straight out of a screenplay. But like, what an interesting job that must be to have to get that correct. I'm mean, Obviously, they're starting with a script, probably like a shooting script. But they're, they've got to get it right. They've got to get the timing right. And then occasionally have to edit it down, almost like a, like a comic book uh, artist would have to, or a writer would have to. It's like make it fit into what the bubble can hold. And very often, you're right, they do start with the shooting script, but guess what? They The people who, who made the, the audio-visual presentation you're watching went off script. But the right. subtitles still say what the script says, but that's not what the people on the screen say. Do you this think is, that's what that know, is? It happens all the time, yeah. Hmm. Like the, 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 the script I always figure it's just in the interest of uh, concision, that they, when a fast-talking show where you've got to get a lot done, you have to give people time to read it, and if that exceeds the number of words... I see the opposite all the time where too the much. person, the actor on the screen says one word, okay, uh, and then the subtitle says, okay, comma, I'll do that, Jim. And it's like, that's not what he said. It's oh. like he just said, okay, because they use a different take because it's not important to say, okay, I'll do that, Jim. Okay is sufficient, and that's what they shot, but the script said, okay, I'll do that, Jim. Here's one. Yeah, indistinct chatter on radio. I, I first, I, I, I probably didn't first see it in Mindhunter, but ever since, and they used it, it was used a lot on Mindhunter, and now I'm realizing how often you see indistinct chatter on radio. Yeah, this is where uh, an interest in anime gives uh, uh, a new angle in this because the best, as far as I'm concerned, the best kinds of, of anime fan subs, the people, like, you got to find someone who is fluent in both languages and is familiar with both cultures, which is really hard to find because, you know, spanning those two worlds. But if you find a bunch of people who are able to to collectively have that expertise, yeah, they will never do indistinct chatter. They will painstakingly annotate every aspect of everything that's on that screen including all background noise and and the correct translation <laughs> everything, everything of the background that's on the lyrics. person's mobile phone <laughs> yeah the, that, that the was ba- summer summer wars that was tough i mean there's so much stuff on screens that they would have to get out quickly yeah, or, or, or like if a radio was playing in the background yeah. translation of song that's on the radio in the background plus the japanese plus a little paragraph stack it up sometimes it's not just one row yeah some sometimes you have to go to the end they would put like footnotes essentially to say Here's why this song was playing in the background. You don't know this, but at the at the, you know in the 1986 in Japan, I've seen that in I've seen that in mangas where they'll like where they're like every every little phonetic thing has been translated precisely. Yeah, and you have to. I mean, even just something as simple as like in your name, where like this is the the, the more straightforward translation challenge. Where um, there's a there's a joke in your name. Have you have you seen your name? No, of course no, um, no. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I get what you mean. Like, uh, like anyway, there's there's a there's a gag that relies on the gender of uh, of words it, that in English don't have any gender, right? Um, and that, that's a joke. Like it was, it's a body switch thing. Where like a, a man is in a woman's body, woman is a man's body, right? But that joke doesn't work translated, right? Right, right, right. And so. The job of a good fan sub is to quickly and concisely put on screen enough for you to understand why this is funny, even though it's not funny if they just translate it into English. And if they have to, the, the way they do it for, uh, you know, sort of Americanized things is they'll come up with a different joke, right? Because there's plenty of jokes you can make about a body swap type thing. Like, so mm-hmm. it's just one or two lines. Fine, just come up with a different joke. But the fan sub would say, no, 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 I need to explain to you <laughs> what the different <laughs> What what the different you know conjugations of to be that you use based on your gender in Japan, or, and you need to understand why that's funny, 
and I'm not going to make up a different joke for you, which some people don't like. It's like, just tell me a different joke. Like this, this because it's not funny when you explain it, but I love the, ex- predictably, I love the explanation. Right, and I right, love right. the background text. And I love knowing that that song was popular in Japan during that summer. And it references this star who had this thing happen to them. And that's why it makes sense in this scene. I, I crave that. And that's like, that's like the ultimate sort of, you know, annotation in subtitles. But, but as you noted, in general, subtitles are also not to be trusted because for the same reason as lyrics, people don't care. And like you said, space constraints and other things, you know, they're trying to just communicate. Best case, they're just trying to communicate. Worst case, they don't care or it was machine translated or both. Do you ever um, watch, I did this with Daredevil. You ever watch a show with the assistive descriptions on? <laughs> Only by accident. It's kind of interesting. I I, I don't like that at no, all. No, 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 no. But it is it is very interesting. And you, it's another one where it's like an art form. Translation in general just blows me away. I mean, you know, it's uh, like, for example, there's that big dust up with Twitter. And should we go to 280 characters? Because, hey, in Asia, they can already fit so much more into because, you know, this, how much can be expressed with a character. Or, you know, you look at some, look, go look at translations of Dante. Go look at um, translations of the Inferno, where there are so many different ways of choosing to do it. Because guess what? You may have some familiarity with the Italian language. Uh, There's a reason so much poetry works in Italian, because there's so many word endings that have similar consonant sounds or often it's not rhyme. And and then when you try and bring that into English, like, well, how do you evoke the tone of that without doing it? You know, you don't want to do it... uh, translate exactly i mean that's that's the artfulness i guess that what that's what makes somebody a great translator that's it's amazing i remember hearing that um what's his name gregory whoever it was the guy who translated 100 years of solitude like he got the hugest compliment ever when marquez says that he prefers reading that guy's translation yeah it could be blowing smoke of his butt who knows <laughs> he just hates his own writing Finally, finally, my my my, uh, despite my self hatred, I'm able to appreciate my own work through your translation. (laughs) Sounds like Alex. Yeah. Oh, lyrics. Yeah, there's there's been awful lyrics into translation, but I think it's all kind of uh, of of the same thing of like knowing the underlying words. And I, you know, to to sum all this up, I where I come down is that's what I said to to Marco after I listened to their podcast was uh, I gave them the warning about trusting things they read on the internet just because it's a nice canned warning to have when it comes to lyrics websites they're all not trustworthy especially now the mine is gone because no one cares as far as i'm aware at least for you too no one cares as much about accurate transcription of lyrics as i did and i no longer care as much either so now you're your sol so what can you do um, and the second thing i said to them <laughs> is songs can be better when you know the lyrics yeah and I very carefully didn't say songs are better when you know the lyrics, because I don't think that's true. Sometimes songs are better when you don't know the lyrics. And we've all experienced that. We just talked about it. Sometimes once you know them, you're like, oh, this song is actually about someone's mom dying. And I thought it was always like a fun song about a party. And now I'm bummed out and I can't enjoy the song anymore. Like, they're not always better. Or maybe once you learn the real lyrics, it's like less poetic and uh, and clever and insightful than what you were saying in your head. But yeah. I will say songs can be better when you know the lyrics. Well, I mean, you're talking about uh, – so right now I'm looking at the Genius uh, pages for um, Hamilton. And I, I, this is one example where anybody who's dipped a toe into Hamilton, not long after dipping that toe in, you will probably find yourself on Genius where there are – well, I'll, you can have your say on this, but Lynn Miranda 
Lin-Manuel Miranda approved lyrics and notes and annotations from Lin-Manuel Miranda, the stuff that comes from the tome, like the big book that we've got. Of, And I find that super satisfying. <laughs> Funny enough, I'm looking at the song Satisfied, which is probably my favorite song from that. But like, uh, it's, it is, it is, it's extra textual. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to call it extra textual. But like, there is something you get so much more out of a, you can appreciate so much more about what's going on once you've been able to take it on its face enjoy it for what it is but then when you do it's you know it's like behind the music it's like any of that stuff it's not essential to like necessarily enjoying it it shouldn't need an explanation but sometimes when there's extra context given you appreciate it like so much more where he's like okay that was a my brother and me reference this is a reference to like Nas or whatever like to go in and say like and then you appreciate the archness of how that thing was deployed and it makes it so much more fun yeah that's that's I mean for people who like nerdy music like that's part of the joys of nerdy music is that there is there is more to know in a very often in, in Hamilton's obvious example, but in a scholastic kind of way. Mm-hmm. And that like in those books, they make you read at school. Many people feel like, can I just enjoy the book? Do I have to understand? Oh, you like, mean like a Norton, an- not like a Norton annotated version? Yeah, the, the historical context and why they choose this word and and what they're, they're making a joke about some contemporary politician that I had no awareness of. And it's like, does that really add to the to the book? And for certain people who are nerdy, it's like, yes, yes, it does. To know, like, say you had never. I mean, my brother, my brother, and me, maybe it's not. But say you would never heard my brother, my brother, and me, and didn't realize that was a reference to it. You, the type right. of people who who once they know that that's a reference appreciate the song more. Yeah, those are nerdy people, and those are unless you know. unless I'm looking at the Anna Ang by They Might Be Giants, which I had guessed would be pretty rich for this because it's got lots of like things like the joke would be kind of hard to understand if you're not of a certain age, and it is in fact loaded with lots of annotations explaining the jokes. Yeah, uh, and I was, uh, I'm not too well versed in musical theater, but as we've previously established, but I have to imagine that musical theater is one area where you are much more likely to find accurate lyrics because musical theater theater is performed by people other than the, the people who made it over and over and over again. So there has to be written down somewhere the words, the thing that people are going to be performing. I'm sure there's drift and I'm sure there's changes and I'm sure, you know, things mutate over time. And especially after the creator is dead, no one is there to correct your incorrect, uh, you know, lyric choice or whatever. But uh, I would put a lot of stock in the Hamilton lyrics uh, because I assume someone they're pretty well established because Mm -hmm. people are performing the thing all over the world. And especially if you got the guy who wrote them uh, nailing it down, um, I would put a lot of stock in that much, much less, much more so than. Lyrics to any rock song, especially a hit rock song from decades ago, where the only people who you know who might remember its creation can't anymore because it's too far away. Did you um? Did you check out Dissect, the podcast that was doing the dissection of the Kanye West album? Did you ever listen to that? No, and I don't think I've ever heard a Kanye West song, so probably not. You might find it surprisingly eh, satisfying. I've, no, heard you I... talk, I've heard you talk about it a lot, and it's become vaguely appealing but i've never gotten to the point where i'm i'm like I'm, I'm just seeing hamilton this year so baby yeah. steps yeah i don't mean, i don't want to push too far but like you know I, i'm not like the hugest uh kanye west fan but uh it's i thought it was very well done like from your sort of nerd point of view about this i think i think you might really enjoy it just going through and like and he does that thing where he'll just like we'll go back he'll play it back he'll talk about the lyrics and how this means that and like this is part of this theme that's emerging on this first side of it and like I yeah, listen I mean, to stuff like that forever. A, speaking of and, you know, uh, kind of music that I'm not familiar with, but I know enough to know that that is incredibly rich in like in just it, the depth of a understanding what they're saying and knowing the words as to it, and b then the 17 layers that you need to understand. No, but what are they saying? Saying, yeah, I understand these words, but 
what does it actually mean if you're not in that culture you don't get all the references and as we get more distant from like you know as hip-hop spans many more decades the cultural references if you weren't alive then you do need some you know website to tell you in the 80s there was this thing called a boom box and like yeah, just yeah, to start yeah. from from elementary things to get down to and this word meant that and this was the kind of party they had here and this is a neighborhood like with, and this with was wu-tang a- wu-tang has like uh so much of their own vocabulary and lore like inside of their songs and like by the time you well, even on their first album there's so much stuff in there that it really does help to have somebody kind of unwind like what is this what is chess boxing like wh- what are you what are you talking about what is a dart who are the queen bees there's all this stuff that like it does help to have somebody there to kind of give you some context for what it means especially the songs that were talking to other contemporary artists yeah <laughs> like the right, sort right, of right. you know time separated rap battles and it's like what what is this even about well now you have to know about this other artist and now you have to understand what their relationship was and what their hit songs were and how this i mean taylor swift does that a little bit too but you know sort of <laughs> cross artist beefs where yeah to understand what's going on you have to know uh, uh you know and and again i think those things all add to the songs other than just being a fun song now you know like what what are all these people angry about and it's like oh now i see what they're angry about and now it makes more sense mm-hmm. 